0: coming up now and established in the faith it's not in the outward appearance of things but it is what is coming from behind the pulpit or in my case what comes from in front of the pulpit it don't matter if it's the cross of Christ it's a good church neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now, Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me please, to the book of First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel 16 beginning with verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come that he, speaking of Samuel, looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not As a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And I want to stop right there and use for a subject this morning. The way that God looks at things. The way that God looks at things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for His help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for every person that's under the sound of my voice right now. And Lord, I do not know what the needs of your people are. Lord, as you have said in your word, you look upon the heart. You see what the needs are. Lord, I only have words here today. And Lord, those words can do little. But with your anointing behind it, Lord, I know that those words can meet needs today. So Lord, I'm asking for the anointing of your spirit to rest upon me. Lord, let it rest upon your people that they may hear and receive of your word. Help me to rightly divide this word of truth. Lord, may your people be edified in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. In the opening verses of this chapter, we see that God has rejected Saul from being the king of Israel. And you need to understand this, Saul was the people's choice. And let me tell you this, when you keep pressing the issue, and God has warned you, and God warned Israel of that day through Samuel, that if you insist on having this king, he's going to take. He's going to take. He's going to take. But Israel refused to hear that word. And they pressed the issue, and God gave them what they asked for. If you're not careful, you can ask things that are outside the will of God. And God will let you have it. Saul had no trust in the sacrifice. You can read it in the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel. Saul would not obey the word of God. We see that in the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel. Trust and obey. The two words that are the bane of Christianity today. Trust. Trust in the sacrifice. Trust in that which God has provided for our salvation. Trust in that which God has provided for our sanctification. Our everyday living for God. We must trust in that which God has provided. But Saul had no trust in the sacrifice. He didn't understand it. No confidence in it. And then when the Word was given to go in and utterly destroy Amalek, a type of the flesh, a type of the world, he wouldn't do it. He kept what he thought was good. This will be good and I can use it and sacrifice it to the Lord. And again, I want to say this again, you cannot take that Which God has condemned and try to use it in the ministry. It won't work. You can't take the goods of this world out here. The beat of the music may sound good, but you can't take the world's music and bring it into the church and think that God's going to bless it. He won't do it. God has a way. And if things are not done His way, if it's not done according to this Bible that I hold in my hands, if we reject God's way, then church, we will be rejected. And Saul was rejected because he rejected God's Word. It grieves me today when I go through the television channels and I go across so-called Christian networks and I see preacher after preacher telling everybody how to get rich and I see preachers up there telling people how to be a better you and I see other preachers name it and claim it It makes me sick to my stomach to see millions of dollars wasted. They never say anything about the gospel. They say nothing about the cross of Christ. Wasted. And millions of people the world over flocks to it. They have rejected the word of God. Let me tell you this. If that preacher is not preaching the cross if he's not preaching the cross for salvation, if he's not preaching it for sanctification, my friend, he is not following according to what is written in this book. He has rejected the Word of God. And church, if you continue to follow behind it, you too will be rejected. And here we have Samuel. Mourning for Saul. Mourning over that which God has rejected. Mourning over something that is not going to do right. Saul has set a course. He don't trust in the sacrifice. He's not obeying the Word of God. He's going to do things his way. And Samuel was mourning for Saul. And God asked him the question, how long will you mourn for Saul? How long will you mourn over that which I have rejected? As a child of God, you should not ever allow yourself to get in such a fashion. Nothing good ever comes from that. When you mourn for Saul, it shows an attachment, an attachment which is beyond the normal, which ought not to be. An attachment to that which God has rejected. How long will you mourn for Saul? That's, that's what I want to ask some of you listening to me by radio right now. You're getting in the car and you're going up the road right now. You're going right back to that same church. You know the preacher ain't doing right. You know he's marrying homosexuals. You know all this stuff is going on. And yet you go to that church thinking you're going to be blessed. And when you leave there, you're going to be just as mad this week as you were last week. And then you're upset. And then you talk about it all day. Morning. For Saul, and the reason you're mourning is because your great-great-great-great-grandpappy way back yonder in the 1800s laid the foundation for that church you're going to. And some of the rest of your relatives helped put the stained glass windows in. And the only reason you're going to that church is because of things that's going on in the past. Honey, you better forget about the past and start looking at what's going on now. Because if that preacher has rejected the Word of God and you keep going down that path, friend, you too will be rejected. And God said, How long will you mourn? saw how long are you going to keep going to that dead church how long God said fill your horn with oil and go and as we stated last week the horn has to do with dominion when rams fight They fight with their horns. They're fighting over dominion. What is the dominating factor in your life? What is the dominating thing for why you do what you do? God said to Samuel, Fill your horn with oil, a type of the Holy Spirit. Fill your horn with oil. In essence, saying, get full of the Holy Ghost. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Get so full of the Holy Ghost, everybody you go around thinks you're crazy. Everybody you come in contact with, you want to tell them about Jesus and all the things that He's done for you. Fill your horn with oil and go. Get off your blessed assurance and do what I tell you to do. And let me tell you something today. God told Samuel, if you will fill your horn with oil and go, I will provide a king. And if you will do what God tells you to do, it may not make any sense to you, but if you will do what He tells you to do, He will provide Preacher, you're going to have to leave that church. You're going to have to leave that denomination because it ain't doing right. You can't preach what God wants you to preach because the people out in the congregation won't put money in the offering plate and it won't support you. And you're wanting to cater to the congregation so you can get that money. Honey, you're going to have to forget about that. You're going to have to come out of that and be separate, saith the Lord of hosts going to have to do what God tells you to do. Brother James, my family goes to that church and they're going to think, well, you better forget about your family and what they're thinking and think about what God knows and do what God tells you to do. Fill your horn with oil and go. Samuel, he had his eyes on the situation at hand. It was a sad day for Israel. Saul's lost his mind. He's gone crazy. He's even demon-possessed now. And all of Israel is following this demon-possessed madman. He's not doing right. The Philistines are going to come in and kill us all. But what Samuel did not realize was although the sun was setting on a bad time in Israel's history, God was planning for the sun to rise on a better day. A better day when Israel would be the mightiest nation on the face of the earth. What what are you focused on? What are you looking at? Are you focused on the situation at hand? Are you focused on Saul? Are you focused on past failures? Yep. You might be going through a bad time. But let me tell you, God's got good things in store for you. Stop mourning for Saul. Stop mourning over past failures. God's got great things in store for you if you will only fill your horn with oil and go. That's the way God sees the thing. You're looking at it from a negative perspective. But if you're saved, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, You're a child of God. He is your heavenly Father. He's got great things in store for you. Samuel gets his horn. Fills it up with some 10W30. Goes to Bethlehem. And the good city fathers of Bethlehem see him coming, and they're kind of concerned, and they ask him, they said, what what is your reason for coming here? Are you here on a peaceable mission, or is there something going on we should be worried about, concerned about? He said, no, I've come to offer sacrifice. He said, where's Jesse at? He's out there in the field. Go get Jesse and all his sons. Tell, them, tell everybody to come to the sacrifice. I'll be offering up sacrifice this afternoon. And as everyone comes to the sacrifice, Samuel sees a young man, one of Jesse's sons, Eliab. He's stately looking, masculine like me. He looked the part of a king. Samuel thought, "Surely, this is the one. The Lord's anointed is before me." And the Lord said, "No. He's not the one. You see, man looks on the outward appearance of things we got a lady here with us this morning. She rode by, and there were certain attributes of this building that revealed to her that this was a church. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the stained glass windows. Maybe it was the steeple with the cross on the top. Maybe it was the sign we have. Something got her attention, and it revealed to her that this was a church. But she didn't know what was going on till she come in that door back there. There's a lot of churches out there that have all the accoutrements of church. They have the steeple. They have the name over the door that says Baptist. That says Pentecostal but friend you can't go by what's just on the door of the church let me flip the coin over and let's look at it from this direction right now there is a small church in Wilson North Carolina back years ago that building used to be a nightclub. that building today the name over the door is a church It don't look like much, but it's a church. Now, I don't know what is being preached and taught in that church. I have not darkened those doors. I don't know. But let me tell you, if that preacher is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is, and what he did at Calvary, then that is a good church it may not have stained glass windows it may not have a steeple it's not in the outward appearance of things but it is what is coming from behind the pulpit or in my case what comes from in front of the pulpit it don't matter if it's the cross of Christ it's a good church good churches are hard to find See, we look on the outward appearance. Some of you are still looking to church. You hop from church to church to church. You want a church that's got a gym. You want a church that's got a bus. You want a church that's got a big youth ministry. You want a church that's got a marriage counseling stuff going on. You want a church that's got a thing for drug addiction. You want a church that's got this and that and all the other. Outward. Here's the heart. The heart of the church. Is the cross of Christ. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Benadab comes in front of Samuel. All seven of his sons come before Samuel. And Samuel said, This ain't it. So Jesse makes them come before him again. And this ain't it. Samuel's scratching his head and he's like, Jesse, is this all your your sons? Well, there's I got one left. He's a little fellow. He's out there tending sheep. And Samuel said go fetch him and bring him here. David. The only one in the Bible named David. In many of the actions of David, David is a type of Christ. David is the only one in the Bible mentioned by that name. Let me tell you, there's only one name under heaven whereby we might be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. David was out tending the sheep. The Lord said, I'm the good shepherd. He said, go get him, bring him in here. We can't sit down till he comes. Church, let me tell you something. We can't sit down and stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. We can't sit down until he comes and here comes little David. And we look at him and he don't fit the part of a king. The Bible says he was ruddy, red headed, good goodly favored, had beautiful eyes just a stripling, just a little little fellow. Some of these little ones running around here, you look at them, and they get a little rambunctious at times, and I know they get on your nerves a little bit. And at this point in time, you look at them, and you say, well, God can't do nothing with that. He did something with you, didn't He? Mmm. God looks upon the heart now wait a minute wait a minute god knows everything he's omniscient he's all-knowing he knows everything in the past present and future he knows you better than you know yourself he knows what you're going to do when you leave this church today he knows what you're going to eat he knows everything And God knew when he chose David, he knew then what David was going to do. He was going to commit some of the most abominable sins. But yet God chose him anyway. You're seeing a picture of grace there. You see, because if God only chose those who were perfect, He wouldn't choose anybody. Because there's none good, there's none perfect. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But although David would commit those sins many, many years later, God looked upon the heart. And God said that David was a man after his own heart. And God told Samuel, This is the one. And Samuel took that horn filled with ten W thirty and poured it over David's head, and that oil saturated and run all down his shepherd's garment and puddled at his feet and the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him from that day forward you want to know what really scares the devil you get a man or a woman that's anointed of the Holy Spirit and it scares the devil to death glory to God But if we'd have looked at it, David saturated and all that old, we'd have laughed at it. But oh, how the Spirit of God would move in that young man's life and how God would use him for the building of his kingdom. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart.